Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed, where we talk about family and consumer science education. This podcast is geared towards recruiting, maintaining, and supporting all FCS educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I am here to help boldly celebrate with you families and careers. Hello and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and thank you so much for taking the time and listening to all the valuable resources that I am hopefully sharing with all of you. Today on this podcast, I have an incredible guest. Her name is Kim Graybill, and she is the owner and CEO of FamilyConsumerSciences.com. It is a valuable resource that I found when I first started as a FCS educator. So welcome, Kim, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invite. Glad to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited for you to be here with us. So tell me about yourself. Where, what is your background? Well, I am a 1987 graduate of Penn State University, and I have been in the facts classroom for over 30 years, and all but two of those years have been in the same school. And I have taught a variety of courses over the years, and about five years, well, since 2011, I've been working with the website, familyconsumersciences.com, and in 2015, I was given the opportunity to take it over. And while the timing wasn't ideal, I knew that this was my passion. I loved to share with other people ideas, and I wanted to be able to help other teachers in ways that I was helped along the way. And so at the time, my kids were still in high school, and I thought, oh, how am I going to balance all this? (laughs) And so we talked it over as a family, and with their support and with their blessings, um, decided to take it on, and they all help in some way, <laughs> or at least at the time they did when they were all home. And, and so I have their support, which, which is a lot, and it means a lot because it, it can be a little time-consuming sometimes. Absolutely. So when was the website created? It was created in 2009 by Melanie Sandoval. And she started it because at that time, there was not a lot of online resources available for family consumer science teachers. And so she wanted to have a, an online place to go for new and or veteran teachers who were looking for new ideas. And so she created it for that reason. And that's still our philosophy today. I continue to share new ideas and try to stay current with teaching strategies and technology and content and just trying to help every teacher, not just the new teachers. Because in today's world, you know, a lot of school districts are working with restrained budgets and they need, we don't all have classroom sets of textbooks and and resources. And so I wanted to have or continue her philosophy that this was a source that would be free to all teachers, that they could come and 
get new ideas or share new ideas with everyone else. Because I, I just remember back 30 years ago when I started teaching, you know, when you walk into a classroom and you don't have very much in the way of resources, you, you kind of feel a little overwhelmed. <laughs> yep. And depending on how many preps you have determines how many different lessons you have to have daily, weekly, etc. And that can be very scary when you're a new teacher. <laughs> and I remember going to my, well, at the time it was home economics, going to my home economics teacher and she, we went to her classroom and she just opened her file cabinet up and she gave me a copy of every single thing she had. <laughs> and <laughs> I still thank her to this day for that because that at least gave me a starting point. Yeah. And so, I, you know, that's why I do the website because I love I love to share with other teachers. And if I can help somebody else out and save somebody else the hours of time, then it's a good thing for everybody. Absolutely. And you know, I I have to say thank you so much for continuing that philosophy because I was that new teacher 3 years ago. I walked into my classroom for the first time and who knew that it was going to become my passion because I walked in my administrator who whose classroom I was taking over. She just had, just like you said, she had two file cabinets <laughs> and all of these paper documents. And then she got me in touch with the other teacher that um, she had all sorts of stuff, you know, online and I got in touch with that teacher and, and she shared with me, you know, her, her OneDrive, but, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And so then I started, you know, researching, you know, family consumer science and, you know, your webpage came up and, and I was able to get a further and deeper understanding of what I was going to be teaching. So, you know, honestly, the, you know, as a new teacher, thank you because, you know, without that resource, I would have been, you know, even more lost <laughs> than what I was. <laughs> well, glad to help. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I had uh, my first year, I had five preps. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was a lot <laughs> in figuring out going and not understanding like this was the norm. And I just I couldn't believe that. And now in my new district, you know, I'm only down to two right now, which has been absolutely amazing because I've been able to really focus and hone in on how to build that program even better. That's wonderful. I, I've never known what two preps is like. <laughs> I've always had five or six. Oh, my goodness. And so... I'm a one person department in a, in a very small rural school. And so, you know, I, it's nice in one respect because I can pretty much plan my curriculum any way that I want. And I know what I'm doing in my other classes so I can figure out how to teach the same topic three different ways if necessary without overlapping too much. And it's nice in that respect, but it's also challenging because I do have six preps every day. And, you know, if I'm teaching a new course, then it's planning and developing and 
creating yeah. 24-7, it seems. <laughs> I know. And, you know, as, you know, family consumer science teachers, you know, the name of the game is trying not to recreate the wheel. Yes. Yeah. That can be challenging. Yeah. So do you contribute your resources to any other social media platforms? I do. I share, well, I share once a week on the website. Every Friday I put out a new post and from there I link it to Facebook and Twitter, Pinterest, and I'm not, I don't link the actual post to LinkedIn, but I am linked to that platform as well. And all all of those are buttons on my homepage. So that people can go directly to them to see those pages, but they can also link at the bottom of every post as well. Oh, wow. Well, we'll be definitely linking your website to my website so people can go and, you know, you know, peruse it and take whatever resources that they are needing because, you know, we're in the business for helping others. So we right. need to help and each other. I will gladly share yours as well. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. So where do you get your lesson plans and resources from? Do you create them for the website or are they shared or yeah, how? Most of them are made up by me, oh, created wow. by me. I didn't always have a lot of resources to pull from. And so I just, I read a lot and I visit other Websites like technology blogs and, and things like that to get new ideas. And then sometimes ideas just, just hit me. I can, I can be reading an article and think, oh, I know exactly what I can do with that. Or this is a great way to make this project work or do this differently. And so I do create most of my own materials. And I just really start as I think of things, I start jotting them down and, and I keep a running notes list. And when I finally am ready to pull the, the lesson together, then I kind of start there and figure out my order and what's the best way to teach this that is going to be engaging for the students, that's going to be my goal and my objectives and what's most important here. And so that, that's usually my plan. And because I've been teaching for so long, I created a lot of lessons years ago that were pretty much just handwritten because oh, wow. it was pre, pre-computers. Yep. And so I have a lot of material to draw from. I just go back and update everything and make it work in today's classroom. Wow. So you're very creative. <laughs> that my, is my, amazing. My brain is sometimes works faster than I can. I, <laughs> it, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I thrive on creating new things. I thrive on creativity. I don't want to say I get bored, but sometimes I do get bored, especially with teaching. My junior high classes are, are six-week rotations, so every six weeks I get a new group of students. And so after a couple of years of or even a year of teaching the same thing every six weeks, it's like, okay, I need to do something different here. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's not that there's anything wrong with the material. It's just that 
I tend to be a little bit tired of it, or I want to teach it a different way. And I've also found that over the years, the content pretty much stays the same, but how I deliver it or what I expect my students to do varies. And so what may work really well with one group one year doesn't work the next year. And so I feel like I need to go back to my file cabinet and mm -hmm. figure out, okay, this one isn't working, you know, what can I do instead? Because there's been some years where, for example, I've had classes that are just super artistic and they want to they want to draw everything and they want to illustrate and they want to create visuals, you know, on paper and they're wonderful at it. And then the next year I've got a class that says, I can't draw. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know so then I got to come up with something else that works for their skill set. And so sometimes that's how new things are developed out of a need. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree because, you know, that's something out of my classes, my two classes that I have taught throughout this year alone, I have not done the same thing twice because as I'm in midway of delivering, I'm like, oh, I could do it this way this much better. So then I kind of in my reflection, in my notes later on, I go back to that. And then as we're approaching that unit, I'm like, okay, rethinking on the organization and, and how I could best deliver it. Absolutely. I do the same thing. And I make notes. And if I'm fortunate enough to have a little bit of time after I teach the lesson, I go in immediately and make those changes. Otherwise, I make notes and address it again the next time I teach it. Yep. No, I know. I know we kind of already touched on this, but why is your family and consumer science webpage such a valuable resource? What is your drive for it? And what would you like and where would you like it to go next? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I think it's valuable because I look at it as a big online file cabinet of activities and lessons for a variety of different content areas. And it's kind of like one-stop shop, if you will. I mean, I know that there's areas that are way stronger than others because those are my strong areas. And I know that there are some areas, content areas on that website that do need more attention, but I don't always feel like I'm the best person to teach or, or create those because I'm not teaching them. And so I, I don't want to... I want to do whatever I do. I want to give it my best and do it justice and provide my best work. So the main goal is to help other teachers. And again, I, I just remember starting out and spending so much time and energy planning and creating. And, you know, I didn't have the budget. And I just I just think it's a way to help others. And, and I hope moving forward that it continues to be a great resource for other people. And I just know that had I not had the help along the way that I had, I, I certainly wouldn't be the teacher that I am today. And I think we're all better together. And I, I hope moving forward that the website is not only used as a resource as a go-to resource, but that people feel that they can share their best work and that others get to see it as well. Because there, there are a lot of amazing teachers out there who create wonderful materials, 
and it would be awesome if more of them shared yeah. so that we could all benefit. Absolutely. You know, let's not recreate the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so what classes do you teach currently? Well, I teach four elective classes to senior high students, grades 9 through 12, and they consist of child development, exploring foods, an individual and family studies course, which is kind of my comprehensive course. It's more about relationships and family, but we do hit cooking for the family and basic shopping skills for the family. And then I also teach a career in consumer science, which is my adulting and financial literacy course. Oh, we and then need that every so six, much. <laughs> every six weeks, I have new seventh and eighth grade classes. So I teach junior high for one, I teach a seventh grade one period a day, eighth period one period a day. I have two IFS classes, one child development, one exploring foods, and one career and consumer science class. Holy cow, girl. Yeah. My <laughs> day is busy. You stay busy. Then, my goodness, you must be, you sound so efficient. That's amazing. I have to be. <laughs> I, I am a firstborn and I am very OCD when it comes to being organized. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is Wow, I'm just, my head right now is just spinning with all of those, the plannings that you have to do. Oh my goodness. And, you know, bless your heart for, for taking on such a feat. And I know that you have, you know, this is all that you know, but how many others are out there who do what you do? That is my hat. I'm tipping it to, for wow. you guys because bravo. Wow. Well. Thank you. It, it definitely helps to have your family support. I mean, they yeah. know they know how much energy and how much hard work goes into all of this. And, you know, the, the website is just a continuation of my classroom. Yeah. So with your own family, goodness. So you started out 30 years ago. And did you already have children or when you went in or was that or did family planning come after? Now, I graduated and then I taught a year at a school near my home. And then I got married and I moved to central Pennsylvania. And then I got back into teaching. And it was nine years later that my daughter was born. And then three years after her, my son was born. And so I was well into my career you know, by a dozen years almost when my children came along. And then I took a year off with each of them and then went back afterward. And I've been there ever since. Ever since. Yeah. I started at the school that I'm at right now in 1990. And I've been there ever since. Oh, my goodness. Wow. What, you know, what deep ties that you have and, you know, the community that you have along with your colleagues. Holy cow, you must be just, everybody must just really look up to you as, you know, as an innovator and also just a valuable resource. I try. One of the things with, we have to do a Danielson project, you know, for our evaluations. And so 
I do, this is where a lot of the technology comes in because I co-teach a workshop with my, with one of the English teachers in my school. And we teach technology to our colleagues as our project. And so we do it in the form of hyperdocs. Mm -hmm. And so within the hyperdoc are a lot of technologies that we have discovered and use and share with them. So they know how to use them. And so it has worked well for me to learn those in that capacity. And when we teach the hyperdoc class uh, and workshop, she's attacking it and presenting it from the core subject side, and I'm attacking it and hitting it from the elective side, showing that it can work in all areas. And Absolutely. so that has been just a neat side note because they do come to me about technology, and that's kind of interesting because I'm like the senior staff person in <laughs> our building, and so usually it's the other way around. Yeah. No, that's true. But gosh, you know, you are, you're ahead of the curve, I guess. Do you have any funny stories that you'd like to share from, you know, being in the trenches? Well, this, this, this is more of an ironic story than it is a funny, well, it, it's a little humorous <laughs> as well. But back when in the 90s, before I had children, and I was taking grad classes. I remember, I remember sitting in a grad class in the summer, and we were being introduced to computers and the World Wide Web. And I was there with a friend of mine, and she had been te- in the teaching profession for many years. And I, at that point, was just in the first few years of my teaching. And I remember sitting in that class thinking, oh, this internet thing is just too overwhelming and too scary and too time-consuming. And we made a vow that we were never, ever going to use this thing called technology, and we weren't going to use computers, and we weren't going to ever use the World Wide Web. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to laugh now because, you know, I can't imagine teaching without it now. I can't imagine not having a computer, not having resources at my fingertips if I need something. I can't imagine running a website. I never would have run the website without it. And I think had I not gotten over that fear and and just decided I was going to be progressive and I was going to learn this stuff, and I'm self-taught for most of it. And so I I just feel like if I don't dig in and teach myself that, you know, I'm not going to necessarily learn it. And so I have, because of that thinking, I have since embraced technology and I love it. And, you know, and I will still admit that some of it's a little overwhelming, especially when it's new, but Mm -hmm. I I just can't imagine anything being any different now. No, I absolutely agree with you because I love integrating technology in my classroom. You know, I'm always, you know, introducing new apps and different ways on how we could utilize it and the eye rolls that I get from my students when they're like, oh, no, I'm like, yes, this is fun. We need to explore these things because honestly, this is the future and you need to be prepared, you know, going into your careers later on that you can, you're flexible and you are showing adaptability And yeah, when things are hard, you are showing perseverance. So 
Yeah, I I love integrating technology just because it's both, you know, for home and career. Right. Yeah. As a classroom teacher with over 30 years experience, can you share any of your best practices for classroom management and or skill set? I thought about that. And I think for me, I truly believe that keeping students engaged with a variety of interactive activities helps with classroom management. My philosophy is that I teach bell to bell. I don't give a lot of homework, but we're going to utilize the time that we have to the best of our ability. And when I sit down to plan or create a a lesson, I, I truly try to put myself in my students' place and think, you know, if I'm sitting in this class, what would my perception be? You know, would I would I be enjoying this? Would I find this interesting? Or would I be bored to death? And I use that philosophy every time I plan an activity or a lesson. And it doesn't always work. <laughs> and sometimes yeah, I, know. I don't I don't get it right. Or I think something's gonna work and it, it totally goes a different way. But I try to find a good balance between the how much I'm talking versus what the kids are doing with hands-on activities as well as with technology. And I feel like if I've found that balance, then I've done a good job. And I I I want my classes to to be different from others. I, I want my my classes to be unique so that when kids come to my class, they're like, wow, you know, we don't do this in any other class, or that went by really quickly, or, you know, I really like that, or something to that effect, because I wouldn't want to take notes on period. Yeah. And so I I just truly try to think about myself sitting in a workshop or in a a classroom when I I plan. I also think it's important to be organized Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to... Be open and willing to try new things because we stretch ourselves and we grow when we step outside of our comfort zone and outside of our box. And I stress that to my students all the time. You know, you have to step outside of that box sometimes. It's not always going to feel great, but you grow and you stretch and you develop as a result of that. And, you know, those lessons that don't go as planned go back to the drawing board. And, you know, some lessons, Some lessons take me a few years to figure out the best way to teach them and others, I figure it out immediately. And it just, you never know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree. And, you know, that's when you want to do, when a a lesson doesn't go as planned, that's when you want to use the hashtag nailed it (laughs) because (laughs) because it failed. (laughs) You had this moment where you were going to shine bright and then all of a sudden face plant. <laughs> right, right. And, and sometimes the students and I, we muddle through together, you know, yeah. especially if technology's not working right or mm-hmm. <laughs> we oh, figure yes. it out. <laughs> oh, don't we ever. No, I really appreciate your philosophy because I've, I've never looked at it from that angle, but I absolutely agree with you with saying I want my classroom to be a unique experience that I thrive on creating culture within our classroom. You know, my trimester just ended a couple of weeks ago and 
I had the most beautiful experience that in, I want to say probably in the three years that I've been teaching before the end of the trimester, you know, my interior design students walked in the door, you know, at the the bell and all of a sudden, like maybe 10 or 11 of them. And I had 32 in the class, 10 or 11 of them, they walk in at different times. And then all of a sudden, you know, the smiles on their faces and they went and hugged each other and they were like, and these were groups, well, these were individual students who do not associate with each other outside of the classroom. And, and that was just, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on my bar stool, you know, just waiting to, you know, introduce, you know, what we were going to be doing and just kind of sitting back and just going, wow, what did I just witness? This is something I think every teacher dreams of, you know, watching. Oh, I, I agree. And, and we have, I think, the best opportunity to promote those types of, of relationships and not only between the students, but to even between ourselves and our students, because if we're just standing up and lecturing all period, we don't really get to know our kids. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's in those projects when they're working together in small groups and I'm circulating or they're working on something independently and I'm circulating or we're in the middle of a foods lab and we're talking, that's when I get to know them the best, you know, and, and we have real conversations. And, and I think if you don't build in those times, you miss out on a lot of those relationships and conversations and we're a small school. And so that makes it a little bit easier, but even in a large school, you know, you, get a mix of kids at least for me because my electives are 9 through 12 I have you know lots of different groups of students from young you know as freshmen and seniors who are more experienced with their knowledge and abilities and and so forth and they just they work with each other and they teach each other and you see relationships that probably never would have existed had it not been for that class I couldn't agree more. <laughs> you know, it's when we're doing those, you know, project-based learning activities that, you know, that's where the relationship really goes down for a deep dive. Because, yeah, just watching, you know, that group of 10 or 11 students, you know, just interact that the way that they did, it just, it took my breath away and made me just go, you know, I'm doing something good here. And right. yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, I, I threw, you know, whatever I was going to be doing that day out. And we just had a very candid conversation. And, oh, and, and I still have those students now with a new trimester, they still pop their head in and say <laughs> hi. So, and I work in the largest comprehensive high school in the state of Washington with over 3000 students. So that just tells me that, you know, as FCS educators, we're doing something meaningful and impactful. So you mentioned being a rural, small district, and I am a large, you know, large comprehensive high school. How do you believe that we can promote our classes? What have you been successful at? Well, Again, I think the small school has worked to my advantage because 
in a small school where travels very quickly. <laughs> and <laughs> I have been very lucky over the years that I have never really had to advertise to get enrollment. And many times I find that if students take one of my courses and they really like how it's set up and run, they will take all the others. And so it kind of perpetuates itself because you know, it is different, it is unique, and students like that, and they have, they've told me as much, and while I still have to, you know, compete against other electives, that's where making my class unique and doing those hands-on and interactive things really, really helps me, because students this year told me that they wish more teachers would teach the way that I did and use technology. And, and that just kind of, I took it as a compliment, but it really surprised me because I, I really thought that, you know, more technology was being used and they were, at least with the courses they had, it, it wasn't. And so it made me feel good that I was utilizing things and stepping up and standing apart from other courses in that way. I love it. I love it. You're singing to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on a funny note, and not so funny at the same time, can you tell me, if you didn't become a teacher, what would you have done instead? Uh, (laughs) I get asked that question, believe (laughs) it or not. My students ask me that sometimes, and this might sound really strange, but I absolutely love to work in the dirt. Really? Yes. It's therapeutic. Yes, it's very therapeutic. And the more I work in the soil and the dirt, the happier I am. And so I think if I had to go back and do things over again, I I have a couple different things that I would probably do. But one of them is to, you know, grow vegetables and uh, or I love, I personally love to grow vegetables and I love to plant flowers and herbs and I like composting and landscaping and anything that involves the dirt and the soil and the land and all that kind of stuff. But I think I would have done something with plants and horticulture. Okay. But looking back on it now, I have my master's equivalency. I never, I never went back to get my, my master's, I never finished a master's degree. I took grad classes, but never went all the way because I was grandfather claused in back in the day when you could get the equivalency. Plus, I didn't really know what I wanted to do back then. And had I known then what I know now, I, I think I would have done more with either curriculum development or technology mm-hmm. or both. But at this point in my life, I don't think I'm going to take that on. But whatever I would have done, I know that it would have had to include creativity. I just, like I said before, I'm wired that way. My brain thrives on it. And I need to be in a position where I can think of new things or new designs or new ways of doing something. And it's got to be creative, whatever it is. No, I'm very much like you in that way. You know, when I stress out, <laughs> I like to have a project that I can start focusing, you know, my physical energy on. And in the back of my mind, I'm able to really just process what it is. And I don't know if you're being like me at all, but my creativity thrives on stress. 
<laughs> That's <my. laughs> and I'm not a walking, you know, tightrope or anything like that, but I am, you know, having that pressure is when all of a sudden, you know, or I, I don't procrastinate, but also at the same time I do just because I need that pressure to motivate me. But like you, I feel connected when my hands are in the soil because, you know, there is something very calming and therapeutic about it. What that is, I don't know, but it just, it grounds me. So right. in my house, we do composting and we garden and we do a lot of outdoor activities, but I also need that creativity where prime example, <laughs> I went in, I walked into Goodwill in my town earlier this last week and <laughs> I came across an entertainment center and it was for $68 and I'm like sold. My husband went and and he picked it up for me. It's in my garage right now and I am, you know, sanding it down. I'm repainting it and I'm going to repurpose this thing because right now we have time since, you know, the COVID virus and COVID-19 is in effect. We're not in our schools. We're not in our classrooms. And, you know, I'm just trying to think, okay, I need something to do because otherwise I'm going to go off on a spin if I don't have something to do. So that is my creativity outlet. We sound alike. I have a dresser sitting in my garage that needs sanded. <laughs> but I think doing those things too disconnects me from the screens for a while. Mm -hmm. And it just helps me clear my brain. Because I know personally, if I get an idea for something, I'm no good to anyone until I get it worked through and get it out and on paper. And, yes. <laughs> and I can't focus on anything else. I, you know, my husband will even say that. He's like, He's like, just go write it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very much so. That is me because I will I will hyper focus. And until I start, you know, getting things down on paper, it's I'm just I I, I can't do anything because I'm so, I'm so focused. So I see that is what drives you. And I love that. And it inspires you. So, you know, coming back to your website. On a monthly average, how many resources are sent to you? Throughout the year, very uh, on occasion, people send me things. Mm -hmm. So that's why most of the items are self-created. Okay. So what you are needing, you're needing more people to upload resources to you. Absolutely. I, I would love, as I said before, there are so many awesome facts teachers out there who, who have created amazing lessons. I, I have seen them, you know, on be shared on Facebook mm. or on listservs. And I just, I would love to see more teachers who, who are willing to share their ideas for, with me so that I can feature them and their, their work on the website. And sometimes, you know, just even offering a different perspective on, on a topic. I mean, if you, for example, Google, or not Google, but you search a topic on my webpage, you know, like, for example, food safety, you know, you might you might get five different resources or even knives and things like that. And that's okay, because, you know, if I was going to a website looking at resources, you know, I might like all of them, but which ones resonate with me most and how I teach and what I would feel comfortable doing and, you know, 
I, I just think we all need different perspectives because we all teach differently, but sharing those are great ways to, I think, support each other, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what we, what we're good at. And I will be the first to admit that my favorite things to teach are child development and foods classes. And that's why you're going to see most of the, the posts be geared to those topics. Do I have other things on there? Sure. Are they, you know, necessarily my forte? No, not mm-hmm. always. You know, I, I grew up sewing. I don't really teach much in the way of sewing, but I, I still sew personally. So I have that skill, but I think somebody who teaches sewing or who teaches interior designs maybe has a different perspective than I would. Yeah. That and projects because they're in that classroom every single day mm-hmm. where I'm not. And I might teach a little component of it within my comprehensive class, but I'm not getting deep into it like they would be in a semester or year long course. Yeah. So tell me, how can we support you? Be willing to share. Send me, you know, there's a place where you can send resources on the website and or you can contact me through Facebook or through the website itself. Or, you know, I generally if if some this is basically how it works. If somebody shares an idea with me, I get in contact with them and I will ask for their resources and ask some preliminary questions. And then I will type the post up and I share it back with them so they can look at it, preview it, make any corrections that need to be done before it goes live. So that way it's coming across the way they hope for it to come across. And I'm not putting words in their mouth or, you know, changing it in any way. Sometimes I have gone to teachers specifically and said, hey, would you be willing to share this? This is such an awesome idea. And sometimes they agree and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have to feel comfortable in doing that. But I I would love to feature more teachers. And I know Facebook is a huge platform that people share and think that, well, if I share it on on Facebook, maybe, you know, it'll reach more people. And, And it might. But you know, a lot of people, I have a lot of traffic on my website too. And so it would just be another way to get that resource out there. And we're all helping each other. We're all in this together. So one way or another, it's going to be out there. Absolutely. And yes, by bridging, you know, between Facebook and Pinterest and the websites that we all are able to utilize, just having another platform, you know, it just, we're, con- we're continuously bridging and bringing ourselves together because, you know, the more of us that connect and interact with one another, you know, our voices are going to be heard. So. Right. And I know for some places, like I can't access Facebook at, at school. Yeah. Me neither. And so <laughs> if you, you might post something there, but I, I can't, necessarily search for it mm-hmm. <laughs> because I can't get on this site. And so if it's in another location, then, you know, it can be searched for in a source that is school friendly per se, yeah. you know? So can you give yourself a shout out, give yourself a plug? Where can we find you? Well, you can find my actual website, www.familyconsumersciences.com. And 
from there, uh, you can reach me at Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn, and those are all specifically linked on my website. Wonderful. Well, we will definitely be, you know, sending you guys or sending you resources. You know, I'm happy to share the things that I've created you know, specifically on knife skills, because I teach, you know, both, you know, interior design this year and foods and nutrition one. So I'm going to go diving in my stuff and see what I feel is like my strong suit. And I will be, I will be sharing that with you because yeah, we can't all just be recreating the wheel every single time. There's so many of us and we all have something valuable to contribute. So this is why we need to connect. Right. And, and that's awesome. And I, I look forward to your, your ideas and your resources, especially the interior design, because I, I don't teach that other than a tiny little portions of it. But yeah, I think, again, I can't stress enough, you know, we're all better together mm-hmm. and none of us would be where we are today if we didn't have help along the way. And why not continue to help each other, especially, you know, if it eases all of our schedules and lives a little bit so we're you know we have time to spend with our family or time to enjoy other things besides just creating lesson plans <laughs> uh, isn't that the truth oh. <laughs> well kim this has been so refreshing and thank you so much for your time and your energy that you've put into you know this podcast, but also your website, because without you and without the hundreds, thousands of other, you know, teachers that, you know, contribute to, you know, all of the various different platforms, we wouldn't be successful without your partnerships. So thank you so much. We really, you know, from the bottom of our heart, really. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I thank you for the invite and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the podcast and I, I look forward to uh, hearing more from you. Absolutely. Me too. Well, thank you. And I guess, you know, this is where we are, you know, supporting and celebrating careers and home. And this is the reason why we're doing this. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In this podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Each week, I will choose one special person to win some Connect FCS Ed swag. So be sure to add your name to the review, and I will reach out to you if you're the winner. Thanks again for spending your time with me today, and be sure to visit me at fcspodcast.com for past episodes and more gifts to help spread the word that family and consumer science is today's home economics.